Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, Kent Hughes at a press conference. We've got news on an impending potential Jeff Petrie trade, a rumored Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, and the return of the actual Friday mailbag. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 658 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for following us here on YouTube if you are watching this or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, we are so very close to the freedom of summer. The Canadians uh, development camp is over. We are waiting on rookie camp later on in the summer, early fall, whenever you know season you want to call that. How are we feeling one day removed from the end of free agent frenzy? Well, it wasn't too frenzied here in Montreal, so I'm not too too bummed about it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kent Hughes press conference, obviously, in this segment. And I think you know the Canadians not doing all that much is actually beneficial to them at this moment. I, I mean, yeah, they didn't they didn't do a lot, but they signed six dudes for the rocket which is always fun but they didn't do a lot and part of that is they don't have the cap space to make moves right now yes there's the overage that's allowed in the offseason but i think kent hughes is avoiding um trying to go over there and trying to get them under the cap to begin with and uh he didn't have a press conference after the first day of free agent frenzy uh because he was working away at some things and one of those things was a an entry-level deal for philip mayshar who signed that today. We still don't know if he's going to the OHL, if he's going to stick in the NHL, if he's going to go to the Rocket in the AHL. We don't know quite yet, and we will see in due time with that, but he did sign that contract today. And the biggest thing is he had his press conference, and he talked in that he is still working away at a trade that would send Jeff Petrie out of Montreal for right now, and that he's open to keeping him if he doesn't get an offer he wants. He said, we are not willing to retain salary like other teams have done. And some people point out, well, Brent Burns got traded for next to nothing and Matt Murray was traded for literally nothing. The difference between those two things is one, Matt Murray is broken and not very good. And Brent Burns cannot actually play defense, the position he's assigned to play on the ice. Jeff Petrie is still a very good 40 to 50 point defenseman, can run second power play, can run your top power play in a functioning system. I, I'm very happy to see Kent Hughes kind of sticking to his guns here. And part of the holdup, I feel like, is we're waiting to see where John Klingberg falls. But Ken Hughes is again, like he did with Arturi Lekkinen, like he did with Ben Sherat, like he did with Brett Kulak. He's not just going to trade them to the first thing that comes along. He's sticking to what he wants. He doesn't want to retain salary. And I'm very interested to see what the return on this looks like based on uh, some of the other recent trades in the past week or so. I would say so. I think, you know, one thing that he did say, he was asked if it was the John Klingberg uh, deal or not deal so far that was holding up the Jeff Petrie angle. And he said it's not necessarily. So what I took from that is that there potentially might be a team that is kicking the tires on Jeff Petrie in case John Klingberg doesn't sign. But right now, 
we don't know, right? Like it's there's there's multiple teams that would like a defenseman, and there's one John Klingberg, and there's also one Jeff Petrie. So I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know, I feel like if the John Klingberg chips fall, then there's a potential for Jeff Petrie trade to fall. But Kent Hughes did mention that they did not see something that they wanted in the trade packages that they were being offered. They're being very, very, very adamant that it has to be of value to the Montreal Canadiens before they make that trade. So I'm not too fussed about it. He doesn't seem too fussed about it. In fact, his Zoom press conference was quite casual, uh, quite sort of, I don't have any news for you, but I'm here to answer your questions anyway, kind of thing. But I mean, we still were able to get some information out of that in that, yes, for the last couple of days, he has been working on a Jeff Petrie trade. In fact, since the trade, uh, since the draft, he's been working on a Jeff Petrie trade. He just hasn't gotten the return he's wanted yet. And that's the thing is it's, you know, Ken Hughes is adamant that he wants someone that would help this team. This is not a I'm trading for a package of picks kind of thing. There might be picks involved in this, but clearly Ken Hughes wants bodies still now, too. He just he does have to ice a team in arguably one of the most demanding hockey markets in the league, if not the world right now. It they He has to do something with there. And it makes me think he's looking for one of those guys who's on the fringe of you know, whichever team he trades, we knew Detroit was in there. Is that someone like Philip Zadina who hasn't fully lived up to uh, what he was supposed to be in Detroit yet? A Thomas Harley in Dallas who was rumored. And then apparently LA was a potential destination where I look at and I go, how about Alex Turcott? You know, Cole Caulfield's old linemate from the USNTDP. The options are out there. And the funny part is it's not just Jeff Petrie that kind of came up in trade discussions Hughes was very coy about uh what he said in regards to the rumors from I believe it was Martin Leclerc who mentioned that there was a almost trade in place at the draft to bring Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal we Hughes said he cannot discuss any of the pieces that were in that or from other teams which makes me think he was three-way trading this thing again and he he seemed very coy in that it's very clear that this is something he looked at I don't know if it's a they're still looking at this kind of thing or, hey, we got Kirby Doc now. We don't need Pierre-Luc Dubois, but Dubois' own agent said he'd love to play in Montreal and it's a dream of his and he would love to come here. And I feel like, Laura, how many times did we hear that with Yarmir Yager over the years or Marion Hosa that, yes, I would love to play in Montreal, but I'm going to go there instead. It, it feels like this could go either way at this point. I think there's a couple of things that I took from that um, is that one, he said that, you know, we can't talk about players who are currently under contract with other teams. Operative word being currently. I also think that, you know, he smiled very coyly at certain points in that conversation. So he's not confirming because he can't, because that would be, you know, not okay. Um, but he's also, he's also confirming, he said, you know, anytime we get a big skilled center in Montreal, that is something that we're looking for. So he didn't just talk about PLD in that one. I think he also sort of opened it up to other teams saying, hey, if you've got somebody that you want to trade with us, go ahead and, and pitch us, right? Like it wasn't, it was also a message to the Winnipeg Jets saying like, you're not the only ones out there. So I don't necessarily think that it's a no or a yes. I think that it it confirms to me that there's interest I just don't, I, I don't know, you know, Winnipeg in general has kind of been not that great with their assets. 
and I think that um, they're trying not to be fleeced, and I think that Kent Hughes is just being patient, and to me, like, there's some people that are, like, in our comments that have been like, I don't want PLD on this team, and I don't know that I agree with them. I think, you know, I, th I think this would be, it would be magnificent for this team to get them, but I don't think that he's necessarily, like, the one piece that they need. It would be great, right? It would be great, but he's not the one piece that they need. I, I, I my, my thought with PLD is that he is not the showcase centerman of this team. Nick Suzuki is the center and future of this team. But I look behind this, and you're running a top nine that is Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, assuming Christian Dvorak is going in one of these trades somewhere or would be traded elsewhere because that's you, you can't pay $4 million for a fourth-line center. And then you have Jake Evans and Ryan Paling as your fourth-line centers. You're doing so much better down the spine of your team there. And that's kind of why I think I want it. They want to go three big horses down the middle there. Not that Nick Suzuki is an overly large person, but that's a very dangerous looking center group right there. And one that I don't think Montreal has had in a long time. Yeah, Philip Deneau was great. And him and Nick Suzuki were a good one-two punch, but that's one-two. This is one-two-three and, you know, a decent fourth line group here. Obviously, as things come true, we're, we are recording this on Thursday night, which means everything by the time we have another episode out will have gone absolutely out the window. Insane. Uh, if anything happens tomorrow, we will have a quick bonus episode. One of us will sit down to record that and get it out for you, I promise. But it is Friday. We're going to take our foot off the analysis button, so to speak. We're going to answer all of your questions coming up in the return of the Friday mailbag. But first, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net, and they are your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Bet on Major League Baseball, golf, MMA, boxing, everything you could possibly want. The NFL season is not that far around the corner either. Training camp is almost here. They have everything you need from wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. They got news, podcasts, scores, everything on their website. So if you head to betonline.net today or use your mobile device, you can learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, where the game starts. So it is the return. We've had a Tuesday mailbag. We've had a Monday mailbag. We are back to having the Friday mailbag now. As always, if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. And in our YouTube comments, if you are, you know, not mean and rude and everything about it. We are always happy to answer questions from there. Uh, Laura, where do where are we starting today? You're on mute, by the way. I have to remember that. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just I wanted to cut down on any background noise to make the, the listening experience better for our listeners. Um, so we've got one from our friend Trevor. As always, thanks for the great coverage. Here's my cue for the week. I'm a teacher and therefore off for a while. I ripped through a ton of podcasts in the summer and I was wondering if you could share your favorite Habs themes podcasts. I know it's hard to pick, to pick favorites, but do you have a few recommendations other than 32 Thoughts and Le Super Athletique? So those are two of my staples. Um, also, not necessarily a Habs podcast, uh, but I also will listen to the Athletic Hockey Show. I also listen to the Chris Johnston Show uh, because I think that, you know, that's... that's those, those are my staple informative uh, podcasts. The Athletic Hockey Show has interesting guests on once in a while. But if you're looking for Hab-specific podcasts, like there's a bunch that I listen to. 
the build uh hosted by ian boisvert a friend of ours that's that's one of them uh we i also listened to the happy hour i listened to canadians time i listened to absent-minded uh quite often uh hello patrick bexell one of our favorite people in the world <laughs> um also scott's former podcast so those are the ones that i you know in the off season that i will listen to in the during the regular season obviously i will listen to game over montreal um there's the habstitution by dylan wall but he hasn't produced episodes in a little while but that's still one of my uh very very frequent staples um Habs Unfiltered there's so many that you you know I, I listen to um there there's a couple that uh also are not Habs related but are hosted by for example Julian uh Zone Time is one that I listen to it's, it's hockey related so I listen to a lot of general hockey podcasts and then when it comes to the Habs like it's definitely um you know the people that we communicate on our Twitter account are the people with on our Twitter account are the people that we listen to. So like I said, you know, Habs Unfiltered. Um, and there's got to be people that I'm forgetting. There's got to be podcasts that I'm forgetting that uh, I will remember in our next uh, episode. I'll write them all down. Actually, I'll email you a list of them. I'm just going to re- go ahead and agree with what Laura said because there was a bunch in there. Uh, Dylan isn't doing the Habs Statistician as much because he's doing, uh, I believe it's Hockey Unfiltered uh, right. right now that he's producing, which is a big one. Um, like you said, we've had any number of guests on here that, you know, we listen to their shows pretty religiously. There was something out there for everyone. Um, once we hit the off season, though, I, I admittedly do tune out hockey podcasts because I've had enough months of hockey and I listen to things like the shutdown full cast. I listen to some, you know, video game related podcasts or I just, you know, listen to the radio in the car like an old person. Um, but there is something out there for everybody. And like Laura, like I said, gave the probably one of the definitive lists and the Habs subreddit has gone over many times too if you're looking for things also in French if that's what you're looking for so there is something out there for everyone everyone and if we've forgotten a podcast we will remember I, I mean this is just like off the top of my head um we have a question on YouTube from Chenandler Bong um 76 mailbag question montreal comic-con happened at the same time as the draft if you came in during the con what cosplay would you have come in as so i've i've had this discussion before with people about dressing up for things and i always thought you know that god i had it too everyone tells me that i look like hopper from stranger things including my girlfriend who said that I should just do that one year for, uh, if we ever do a comic con and enough people that were also in line for the AEW wrestling show I went to last week said the same thing. People at the draft said the same thing. Enough people have said this, that I guess I just kind of have to let it happen at this point. And that would probably be it at this point. So I think for me, one of the things that I'm, I'm always uh, very, very, very aware of is the fact that I am, like a Middle Eastern person and I don't have very much representation in stuff. And, you know, so I do think that now um, with, with Disney's new Miss Marvel show, um, that's definitely going to be something that I will look into uh, in general, though. Uh, I was always a huge Black Widow fan. I know, I know the the movies haven't done her a, a lot of uh, justice I think I think her specific movie the first one was pretty okay um but in general like that that would be the person that um I would cosplay as now that now that I have representation that's who I will go for uh and then so we've got a question from Mike Berenick about uh first 
overall picks being traded, but I have not done the research on that. So we are going to talk about that on Monday. Um, and then a question from Alan in our Twitter DMs. I'm wondering if Montreal is possibly taking a Colorado style approach to their rebuild. Not saying the skill levels are the same, but the playing styles are similar between Slavkovsky and Landeskog, Suzuki and McKinnon, um, Caulfield and Rantanen. All that's really missing is that Kale McCarr type offensive defenseman, possibly Lane Hudson, also a Lekkonen type player. Wonder where they'll find one of those. So this was before free agency. Now we know that Lekkonen is off the board, uh, but you know what? I think that like Colorado had higher picks, right? Colorado also has larger players. Now, if size matters to you, uh, that's definitely something where you're looking at the size of Caulfield or Nick Suzuki and you're not super um, you're not super convinced. Like you, you want them to get a little bit bigger up front, which now they have Kirby Duck. But I think that the approach should be the same. I think that you should be looking for skill and hockey IQ. Like that's what I think you should be looking for. So talent, hockey IQ. Like don't fall in love with size for the sake of size. It's great that they've got like a large guy in Kirby Doc. It's great that their first overall pick was quite big. I just think that we shouldn't get involved in the idea of size or like shut down defensemen as much as we should get get used to the idea of as much skill as possible throughout your lineup. Like your your defensive pairing have have to be good defensive pairings all the way to the end, all the way to the back. You've got to have like a good bottom six. It's not just about the top skill players. And the thing is, Colorado was in a spot when there was a time when people were calling Joe Sackick should be fired. This team's a disaster because Patrick Waugh left it an utter mess. And it takes time to come back from that. And yeah, we're going to see what Slavkovsky becomes. We're going to see what Mayshar becomes, Lane Hudson, etc. The pieces are there. And I was uh, talking with Anton, who writes at Eyes on the Prize as well. And we both were talking about how different the approach is. Mark Bergevin was very reactive to things and not proactive and, you know, could be swayed off of doing one thing or the other. And I look at this team now and it's like, they're sticking to it. They're not just trading Jeff Petrie because they need to clear cap space. They're going to trade him and figure out or not trade him and figure it out from there. They have pieces of place. They hired a new analytics, you know, people today to help do long-term studies and make this team better. It's still going to be ugly next year, but at the same time, you can see all the building blocks. And I think that's an important key here is that they have building blocks in place for everything. And they're going to go from there. There's probably going to be another big draft next year. We're going to see other pieces traded for, you know, 2023 20, picks and continue that building here. I don't know if they will be Colorado because Nathan McKinnon is a very unique talent. Um, Miko Rantanen is a very unique talent and who I think I would compare Slavkovsky to more than uh, Gabriel Landeskog. But you can see the pieces that the Canadians are there. And now that Colorado's won, the blueprint is there. It isn't by getting lucky. It isn't by goaltending. It isn't by being the biggest, meanest defense. It's being smart with everything. And we do have so many more listener questions, and we're going to get to all of those coming up in one moment. We are back. It is the final segment of our Friday mailbag. Remember, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com in the YouTube comments. All right, Laura, let's rapid fire. What do we got left? So we've got two questions from Matthew. Um, 
I have two questions. One, what are your thoughts on Sonny Milano as a pickup? And what do you think about the possibility of bringing back PK if we move on from Petrie? And two, do you guys feel as if as though we can take a page out of Toronto's book and have an up-and-coming team in place and top it off with a hometown talent like PLD when he's up for UFA? Yes and yes. Uh, I like the idea of Sonny Milano. I think there are teams with more cap space who are going to be willing to pay him more because he wasn't qualified, which I thought was weird because Anaheim has plenty of cap space for this. So I was very surprised that he wasn't qualified. There's something very weird is that he has all this talent that he never manages to stick anywhere for long. Uh, And PK has been one that's been thrown around so many times on like a two year deal max, like three, three and a half million. If the Habs are going to be bad, at least they can be bad with a fan favorite there. And I'm not opposed to it. If the price is right. And I know some people are going to roll their eyes and do this. Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have gone a long way to writing a lot of things that people considered wrongs in the Bergevin era, including bringing all the alumni back into the fold who felt frozen out. Why not bring back PK? The team's not going to be very good. PK doesn't have to be a Norris defenseman. He's just got to play, you know, 19, 20 minutes a night, maybe score some big goals and electrify the bell center. The PK jerseys themselves will, you know, more than make up for any lost revenue and anything else. So I'm in favor of both of those and PLD. Like we talked about earlier, there's enough smoke that I think something's brewing. I don't know when it's going to, you know, come to a boil, but there's something cooking there. It's been too many rumors over too many years that it's going to happen sooner or later. And I just only hope it doesn't blow up in their face when it does. That's the only thing. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. So we've got a couple of questions that I'm moving to Monday. One of them is, you know, how much does Kirby Doc need to score in order for this not to be a bust? Also a question uh, from IMU Livestream about Carey Price removing that. Question from Jimbo Slewfoot about speculating on the future, the young guys, um, and and some lineup questions. We're going to move that to our Monday episode as well. But today we are going to answer the question from Danny Joe saying, sorry, can someone explain to me what qualified and non-qualified players are? Are these out of contract players they bid for? So and, and any NHL player that makes the NHL is first um, eligible to sign an entry level uh, deal for three years. We won't get into the intricacies of how to burn a year on the deal or not. But that's essentially what happens. Once you're done with that, you become a restricted free agent, which means your team owns your rights and you can't really negotiate with any other teams. What you can do is, uh, sorry, the other teams can send you an offer sheet, which you are welcome to sign. So the that team will have to give up compensation in the form of picks to your team if unless they match it, in which case you stay with them. So at the time that you become an RFA, there has to be a minimum amount of money that the team has to start with sending you as a qualifying offer. And that begins the negotiation process. So if the team doesn't extend a qualifying offer to you, it means that you become a uh, sorry an unrestricted free agent, which means you are 100% in charge of your career. You can do whatever you want. Your team no longer owns your rights. You can sign with them. But the qualifying offer, this is the important thing, is that there's a minimum amount attached to it. And if you're eligible for arbitration, if you and the team cannot come to an agreement, you can get an arbitration 
arb- arbiter, arbitrator? Arbitrator. Uh, an an arbiter, arbitrator is a religious person. Um, right. Uh, an ombudsman of some sort get involved. And usually what happens is they take what the team is offering. They take what the player wants. They'll cut it right down the middle and offer them exactly what's in between. So that's what a restricted free agent is. It means that you really belong to your team still except under cer- certain circumstances. One, they do not qualify you. Or two... Uh, another team gives you an offer sheet that you then sign. You can decline an offer sheet. Like other teams are welcome to present you with an offer, but you can decline. Um, and if you're eligible for arbitration, then that's that's what happens. And then after a certain amount of service, you even though you are with the same team and they owned your rights the whole time you're a restricted free agent, you become an unrestricted free agent, which means that you are in total control of your destiny at that point. So like it it like this is a very, 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 very simplified version of, of of how it works. So I don't want people yelling at me saying you forgot this, you forgot that, you forgot this. I just wanted to give you a very short um I, I meant for it to be 30 seconds. It has now been a minute and a half of me talking about what qualified and non-qualified means. So when the Canadians did not qualify Rem Pitlick, what it means is the Canadians did not extend a minimum offer to him, uh, thereby making him arbitration eligible. And given the amount of points that he scored this season, he would have been given, uh, awarded a contract that would have been too rich for the Canadians at this point, and also probably not worth uh, Rem Pitlick, given that what he, he was like shooting at an insane percentage this season. So that's that question. Um, and I think I do um, have an addition to that. Uh, the qualifying offer is based off of your previous year's salary. And I believe it adds a little bit on that. It is never the same price. It always goes up a little bit season to season. And even if you accept your qualifying offer, you can um, still sign underneath that. Or if you reject it, you can sign a contract worth less than your qualifying offer to come back with the team as well. Rejecting it does not mean you can't go back to the team. So um, that is my only addition to that. Right. And now we're going to move rapid fire into our Twitter questions. So we've got still some discussion for our part two of our mailbag on Monday, but I wanted to talk about the Twitter questions real quick. What is a book? This is from Logan. What is a book recommendation about the Habs or hockey in general? Um, Habs or hockey in general. I always, we've, I know we've mentioned on the show before the game by Ken Dryden remains the absolute peak. Um, down goes Brown's history of hockey was a very good listen. Uh, Ken Reed has a lot of very interesting books on like players who only played one game in the NHL hockey cards, everything, all really good listens. When I was doing audio books, uh, I cruised through those in absolutely no time flat. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. We also had a book club last off season, which we might um, revive this season. One of the ones that I would I would also recommend is Before the Lights Go Out with uh, by Sean Fitzgerald. Um, that's about junior hockey, but it contextualizes a lot of how hockey works in uh, in this country. Uh, and I definitely recommend that. But we will bring the book club back at some point over the off season now that things are are quiet. Our friend Jim Hockey in Ottawa. Out of all the moves NHL wide, which has shocked you the most? Uh, Ottawa doing smart things. Um, I don't like it, <laughs> and it's stunning. It like I don't like it. We already it's we already did the me Vegas a rash. Rant. We already did the Vegas rant. That was shocking for a different reason. So um, definitely Ottawa and definitely Vegas for sure. 
Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I was quite shocked when Johnny Gaudreau signed in Columbus, not because I don't like Columbus or anything like that. I've heard, in fact, it is a wonderful city with really diehard, amazing fans, and I can't wait to visit it. Uh, just because the narrative that was being talked about prior to him signing there was all about how he wanted to go back to literally Jersey to be, or Philly, uh, to be closer to his family. And then it turned out that they just wanted out of Calgary. Uh, so that was that was the, the the shocking thing was that is that we we thought there were a bunch of teams that were in the mix and Columbus was not one of them. Um, and then our friend D.F. Pendries of Canadians Time podcast. Um, some have predicted ca the Canadians would have a real logjam of defenders between the NHL and AHL, with maybe even some AHL ready prospects potentially forced to start in the ECHL. After the dust settled yesterday, so that was UFA day. Is that logjam worse, better? Or the same or not actually there? I don't think there's really a log jam. I think they've got a nice balance of guys who are going to play in the AHL. Like Madison Bowie is replacing Xavier Ouellette. Louis Belpedio is gone. Otto Leskin and, and Chris Weidman are going to be in the mix for that 6-7 spot. Prospects are going to play. There's still likely more signings coming here too. AHL free agency is obviously a different beast where guys are always getting signed throughout here. I don't think the log jams as bad as it is. They've kind of refilled the forward group a little bit. Defense, I think they've got enough. We'll see some signings here or there. Um, I don't think it was as bad as it was made out to be, especially if Petrie moves here in the near future. It becomes a lot more open in that regard. And finally, one question that I think, Scott, you're going to get some satisfaction out of answering. Our nemesis would like to know, why is his flight delayed? So, you know, Will, how you say it's not actually, you know, that bad things happening to bad people is because they deserved it. I'm not saying you deserved it, but I'm not not saying that. So, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, it's it's delayed because in order to ruin your life specifically, Will, uh, hope you get wherever <laughs> you get safely. Um, but but grossly inconvenienced. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for being our nemesis. And uh, you know that we uh, love to hate you. Yes. I think that's it for the question, Scott, other than the ones that we are pushing to next week, which I think are going to involve some interesting discussion because there's Carrie yes. Price talk, um, there's future talk, everything. We will prepare for those as necessary for next Monday's episode. Uh, we're going to head out now. As always, you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com in YouTube. Hit that subscribe button while you're there. Um, we love y'all so very much. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow me at Scott Matla. Obviously, we will keep you up to date on anything new happening around uh, Canadians land this weekend. And we will see you all next time.